This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Remnant Radio. My name is Joshua Lewis, and today uh, I've got Jeff, Jack, and Michael with me. We are going to be discussing the gifts of the Spirit and how to introduce your church to the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, It's going to be an exciting episode, uh, so you guys stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Guys, thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. We're, we've got a lot to discuss today uh, and a lot of stuff still coming down the pipe. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we've got a video that we are releasing with uh, Dr. Not Dr., but Doug Wilson. And we're going to talk about theonomy and just war. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we're going to be doing a response to uh, Chris Roseboro uh, and his uh, response to the prophetic standard statement that was released a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so be looking forward to those videos. Uh, and with us in the studio is Michael, who's on the far left there. Uh, Mike, how? It's kind of weird. How's, I, how's your I'm, pool? Doing? I'm used to being the like co-host on the show, but uh, we're going to do sort of, you're kind of interviewing me and the yeah. three of us. So I, I'm getting interviewed today. So this is interesting. But uh, yeah, so uh, excited about this episode, excited about the episodes we have coming up. So here I am going into co-host mode, but make sure you hit that subscribe and like button. There you go. <laughs> That's why I tossed it over. I was telling you too much. <laughs> so so yeah, so what, what do we have uh, happening cool. today? Yeah, Josh? so like today we're talking about um, gifts of the Spirit, um, church, how you introduce these things into your church culture. We have a lot of pastors who are watching, a lot of home group leaders who are watching, uh, lay leaders who are watching, and how to... In- I don't know, uh, infuse uh, the gifts of the Spirit, practice the gifts of the Spirit as part of the culture of your church. Uh, each of you are in a very different stage of life right now. You've you've introduced a cessationist church to the gifts of the Spirit, Jack. And, uh, Jeff, you're doing the same thing, but uh, you, you didn't get fired. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Michael on the end. Who's Thank actually, you for bringing that up. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> Michael's reaping the benefits. still 30 well, years later. <laughs> Michael's reaping the benefits of Jack's you know, labor in the gifts of the Spirit at Wellspring. So uh, y'all are each in a kind of a different segment, different place when it comes to the gifts. Uh, and I think it'd be interesting uh, even in talking with Michael and interviewing him, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh no, our church is going to be weird and unstable. And, and Michael's like, I never have a problem with the gifts at my church. And kind of just having that kind of discussion, I think would be helpful for people. Let's, let's start with Jeff. Jeff, it's the first time you've come on the show. Uh, maybe tell people a little about yourself, uh, who you are and how they can follow you. Okay. Uh, I'm Jeff Wells. I'm the lead pastor of Woods Edge Community Church. We're in Spring, Texas, which is about 30 minutes north of Houston. Founded the church in 1993, so we're about 27 years in. Yeah, and uh, that's where we're at right now. By the way, I that's where we are. That. We're in your studio. You bet. Okay, that's right. super cool. Uh, uh, Jack, you've come on the show a couple times, but maybe a brief introduction for people who are new to you. 
Yeah, I was uh, a professor of Old Testament exegesis and Semitic languages at Dallas Seminary. I was a cessationist, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Started a church in Fort Worth called Christ Chapel back in the uh, 80s, and uh, or, uh, earlier than that maybe. And the church uh, grew, um, and then I started believing in the gifts of the Spirit, ended up having to leave the church and leave Dallas Seminary. Okay, and Michael, were you all cessationists? Were you cessationists at one point? Not really. Uh, I'd be glad to You're elaborate. You're a closet continuationist. I, I was a functional cessationist. Maybe that's a closet okay. continuationist. Sure. No, I think thing. I was more of a functional cessationist. Uh, so, uh, okay, I go to Dallas Seminary, knew Jack there a little bit, and did not uh, ever find the cessationist arguments completely cogent. But I was a functional cessationist until I read, well, somewhat adjusted the the turning point for me was when I read Jack's book, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. I think I read it in 1997 or 1998. It was out by then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was out okay. in 93. Okay, I, I, one of our elders uh, gave me the book. And that's uh, kind of ironic. It gave me the book of a professor that I'd had. Um, and God used that book to train, change the trajectory of my life in many ways, and therefore the life of the church. So mm-hmm. as the founding pastor, I, I had, you know, some clout. We were pretty small at the time. That probably helped. What else would I say? Ne- we were never cessationists, so that helped. I mean, from the start. On what's that? You were never cessationists on paper. Like no. Yeah. And, and and I would have always said, you know, we believe in all the gifts of spirit. We just didn't do anything mm. with it. And uh, late nineties, uh, I read Jack's book. That's influenced me about the gifts of spirit, and I immediately uh, responded. Very possibly, I, I said, of course, of course. How, how could you exegetically refute this? Mm-hmm. I thought he had an airtight case yeah. for all the gifts of the Spirit. So I embraced it, didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, I had a, uh, a parallel influence on me about the same time. Either a year or two later, I also read a book on prayer that challenged me greatly. It was a popular book, Jim Simler's book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And the point of this book was uh, the priority and urgency of prayer in a local church. When I read that book, I thought, I didn't know churches still pray this way. That, mm-hmm. That's not the background of Bible-type churches. And uh, so we began pressing into that. And I, and I think prayer and the gifts go together a whole lot. Can I keep telling my story? Keep going. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I read those two books, and they percolated. And then— um, in August of 2002, we had a lead team retreat before we began the ministry year. And so we four go away. We go to a, a retreat, the coast, the Texas coast. And we're praying and thinking, and, and, and we, we decide, okay, our number one goal this year, God wants us to be prayer. So we set on prayer. And I go out for a little run. And during that run, I felt like God put several things in my heart, specifics. One was um, we're going to change our weekly staff meeting, which was largely a business communication meeting. That's how I had understood you do weekly staff meetings. We're going to change it to a prayer meeting. So from that day and that when we got back till today, every Tuesday from 9 to 10, it's just a prayer meeting. We worship and intercede. So we began that. Secondly, um, we, we raised the bar priority for all of us as a staff. Uh, we, we did actually several things, but, but here's one of the big things is we decided to begin a weekly prayer service. 
We actually had kind of a limping along service that our worship pastor started tied to worship practice, but I never went, never had to go. So we're going to have a weekly prayer service, and, and I'm going to go. So we start that in the fall of 2002, and we had two notable miracles the fall, healing miracles. Mm-hmm. One is um, one of our elders' wives had a nodule, some lump on her breast. She had seen it on the x-ray. She had kind of glanced over and seen the nodule. Goes back. We're praying for her. She goes back. The doctor uh, can't find it. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And so a healing miracle. Secondly, we had a band director in our church who only late 30s, I think, had some kind of, I think it's lung cancer and a uh, pretty significant thing. And again, we're praying and uh, he goes to the doctor and the doctor looks for an hour and cannot find it. So I, I think, uh, you know, for a Dallas Seminary graduate who theoretically believed in healing but never really s- experienced much of it, I think God was encouraging us mm. that, that he, he still heals. Yeah. Uh, however... Uh, we weren't on a trajectory of seeing a lot of healings. Uh, I, I wish we would have. We have prayed steadfastly for healings for 20 years. We've seen some healings, but not near like what we want. Mm-hmm. And we, we pray for healings of all kinds. I appreciate it. Jack, I thought last night you made a very significant statement that I leaned over to you and said, that's important. You said the most important healing in a church is not physical healing, but inner healing. Mm-hmm. And, and that resonates with me. Yeah. I have had inner healing prayer. Gail has had it. Um, I find it much more powerful than counseling as a rule of thumb. And uh, so we've had all kinds of healings, but not near like what we wanted. Do you feel like it's been ramping up as you've been, as you've been preparing your church, teaching your church, your church has been pursuing this? Well, I, I, I feel like uh, it, it had a, a, a big ramp up in, in some ways, when Jack came here last October, I think okay. he came here last October. So a little more background before I finish that story. Let me tell you another so that's story. That's 2002 from 2020. 2002 to yeah. 2020. Okay. So Jack writes this book, and it has enormous impact upon me. And then he writes this book, uh, the next one I read, I think, Hearing the Voice of God. Mm-hmm. And that book had as much influence on me in many ways, especially the chapter on Bible deism, I think it's chapter 17 of that book, which fit me to a T. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yes, <laughs> God was already rescuing me from that, but that just accelerated it uh, a lot. And other books of his I, I read. So it was kind of odd to me that um, I did not reach out to Jack. And I'm not sure why, frankly, because I loved his writings. And... um I, I heard you speak at, uh, I think, St. John's. Oh, Anglican St. John Church. the Divine. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard the tape. Yeah. Uh, I was good friends with uh, the guy at Calvary Community Church, Steve Meeks, yeah. and, and others. And I'm not sure why. I, I just didn't. But I ha- have a young pastor friend in the area, Ph.D. from Edinburgh University in Hebrew, who has been exposed to Jack some Taylor Renz. And he said, uh, I think he just kind of gave me the last prod. He said, Jeff, here's Jack's number. You need to, t- to bring him here. <laughs> and so I, I, right then, I called him or texted him. I forget which one I did. And uh, and it was good to reconnect. I'm glad he remembered who I was. And uh, and I told him that he's had an enormous influence on me. Would you come and speak? Mm-hmm. And he was quite amenable to doing that. I think that 
I, I have championed his writings over the years. Like if I have a discipleship group who read a handful of books, surprised by the power of the Spirit has always been on it. Now it's it'll be this, the next one. Uh, why I'm still surprised by the power of the Spirit, but that's always on the list. Tons of people in our church have read it. So for 20 years, this has been marinating yeah. a little bit. We're praying for healing, but not experiencing prophecy. The real change for us was, Michael, what you two guys have been doing with the prophetic ministry on stage. That's new for us. Mm-hmm. And that would probably um, cause a little bit more uh, consternation by some traditionalists who've never been around that for sure. Ooh, oh, this is different. And some will really like it, and some will, mm, man, I'm not sure about it. Probably. Yeah. We're hearing overwhelmingly positive feedback, but I know that there's some. He didn't miss any last night, so. so wait wait till Wednesday. Oh, no, he's right. Miller, they missed, you're they missed last time. Wrong prophecy? No. What's up with that? Yeah. I'm not speaking for I know, you I'm can't just do talking that. trash. <laughs> I think that we, we've had more a hunger for this over the last several years. My wife and I and others have mm-hmm. always, our prayer pastor, Carol Ham, have always wanted this. And we want it more and more. I think that uh, when Jack, the Michaels, others came down, that just whetted their appetite. But every day since then, I am praying specifically that God would pour out gifts of healings and prophecy specifically mm-hmm. for me, for my wife, for our church. So we're more of an appetite. I'm near the end of my story. You're good. I'm yeah. not always this loquacious, Josh. But um, about two weeks ago, on a Wednesday night prayer service. We still do a Wednesday night prayer service every week. And we always pray for healing. Uh, right before it, I, I think I had two people come to me and talked about miraculous healing in the past week and one after the service. So that's a little cluster that was unusual for us to have three right then. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm hopeful that we're seeing more. I'm And, and actually... A few weeks ago, I started listing them out, and I think I got six. Okay, praise God. Yeah, yeah, God. So, did you? So, twenty years. Would you say, maybe eighteen years? If we're going to be fair, um, too slow, or just right? Are you? Are you too slow? Too slow? Too slow? I should have brought. Well, humanly, I trust the sovereignty of God. Amen. But if I zoom over again, I would have brought Jack in earlier, and, so, and, and I would have learned more about this. Do you feel like you went too fast? That, that, that's kind of like that, that follow-up oh, question. Yeah, on my church, on your church. That's how like, we avoided getting fired, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, I didn't know better. I'm, yeah, well, I mean, you, I, I'm just curious because your your experience. Maybe maybe lead up into that. Tell this. tell he your experience. Right. Tell tell about like um, you were introduced to the gifts um, with I guess even the psychologist who comes in from uh, uh, surprised by the power. Uh, it's a cool story. I think that would be a benefit for the audience. Yeah, so I, I was a dyed-in-the-wool cessationist, believed all the supernatural gifts, and we divided the gifts at Dallas into the supernatural right. gifts and then the what? Ordinary. The ordinary gifts yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Mundane. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> the mundane gifts. Yeah, like teaching is just ordinary. Um, so, uh, but I believed that the Scripture taught that that uh, God was no longer doing those things, and that He only gave the apostles power to do miracles to show they were trustworthy teachers of their doctrine. That mm-hmm. was our line at Dallas. Now we got their doctrine in the Bible, so we don't need miracles right. uh, anymore. And I believed that until I got challenged by one of my heroes, who is a professor of psychiatry, Doctor John White, best-selling author. And he not only believed in healing, uh, he told me credible healing stories in, the, in my first phone conversation with him. 
and he didn't convince me, but that conversation so shook me up that I went, I spent the next four months in 1986 from January to April 1986, and I looked up every single healing story in the New Testament, made notes on it, and my number one question was, God, why did you do it? Hmm. And what I found out is there are 10 or more reasons why God healed in the New Testament. None of them have anything to do with showing that the apostles are trustworthy teachers Hmm. of doctrine. He heals out of compassion. He heals out of mercy. He heals to show Jesus as the Son of God. All of those reasons are rooted in the eternal character of God, not in some transitional historic historic transition. Uh, So uh, after four months, I believed in healing. But it was only theoretical belief Mm -hmm. uh, because I hadn't seen anything. Mm. and, and I wasn't had, hadn't started praying for healing, so we started praying for healing. And right off the bat, we saw a lady with a documented uh, aneurysm, names Ruth Gay. Mm. Uh, the angiogram showed an aneurysm it, right up here in her head. Blood vessel swollen, swollen is about to break. Uh, so we mm. went on a Monday night and prayed for her. My wife and I laid hands on her head, just just very quiet, simple prayer. Uh, she went in Wednesday morning for a second an- angiogram, and then they're going to do the surgery to repair the deal. And there was no aneurysm. And the doctors said, I, it, it's a total miracle. I can't explain it. Aneurysms never go away. Mm-hmm. And that was like right off the bat we saw that. I became friends with John Wimber, a name nobody knows today. But in the 80s and 90s, he was the most loved and hated pastor in America. Mm-hmm. The conservative mm-hmm. evangelicals hated him because he was so successful in getting conservative evangelicals to believe in the gifts of the spirit. Mm. And so I started doing, I started traveling with him doing, uh, doing his conferences around the world. And I saw blind eyes open. I saw people get out mm. of wheelchairs. Uh, it was like normal. It was just, <laughs> and, and that was part of the call his calling in life. So, uh, I'm all psyched up and I'm the founder of my church. And, uh, so I, I come back and tell everybody God's healing today and I can prove it by the Bible. And I was totally insensitive Hmm. to the condition of the people for for years. I told them God's not healing. Now all of a sudden I say, Hey, he is healing. Yeah. And it's amazing. And, and their heads were spinning, but I couldn't see their heads spinning because Hmm. I was so happy about, uh, (laughs) healing. And I'm like, my attitude is like, Hey, I'm the professor here. This is (laughs) Jesus is my, I know Greek and Hebrew. And I'm telling you, this is for today. And, uh, and that was sort of my attitude. And, and I ended up hurting people in the church and so if I had, if if I just had some of the personality I have now, where I was just kind and content to pray for people behind the scenes and not have to put a label on it, mm. or anything like that, I think I'd still be at that church. They're, they're some of the greatest people in the world. Wow. Um, wow. My best friend from the seventh grade, uh, I brought him to the church. He became the full time pastor after I left, but the, the elders asked me to leave and they were right because I was so wow. contentious. We, I was going to split the church. Um, and, and then, uh, for the next four years, I went with around the world with John Wimber, went, at his, went on his staff and, and, uh, learned how to hear God and learned how to do uh, healing and learned how to teach, uh, healing. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah, and you, and this is kind of an introduction into Michael. People know Michael, so it's not like an introduction to him. Um, but in in this, you pastored at Wellspring Church. Michael finds out about you that you that he's read your book. He's like, "Well, I think I'm interested in this," and starts yeah. getting around. Um, you want to tell your kind of cessationist to continuationist story sure. briefly, and then we'll kind of, I, I guess, talk about all of that because now yeah. you're pastoring that church. 
Sure. So um, I was saved in a church that um, was sort of charismatic crazy, charismatic chaos, but I met the Holy Spirit. I got saved. And um, but I mean, it was people screaming in tongues at the top of their lungs during church service, falling down. I mean, all of the stuff and I mm. uh, went to college at the University of Texas and strapped on the Holy Spirit seatbelt, took it mm-hmm. slow for a little bit. But then I fell in love with a girl who after I fell in love with her, confessed to me, she spoke in tongues. I was like, oh no. So, uh, so I had gone from, you know, when I got saved in that environment, I was like, I, I didn't know what to think of it. I mean, I, I pretty well believed in it, but when I got into a, a different church in my college years, I, I stopped believing in the stuff and then God brought me back around. That's when I read Jack's books. Make a long story short, I, uh, I graduated got a finance degree from uh, University of Texas, moved to the Fort Worth area. And uh, I've been reading Jack's books also, was powerfully affected by them, and uh, found out Jack had a church in the area. Uh, it was called Wellspring Church. And so I started uh, attending there, and I would go after I was crunching my numbers during the day, and I'd make the commute on Wednesday nights. And he had this thing he called School of the Spirit. And uh, he was training people and hearing the voice of God, training people for healing ministry. And it was an every week thing that went on probably for a year. I mean, uh, after the course of that, like I, I felt like I kind of got it. And, um, and so got plugged into the church. One thing leads to another. Jack hires me as his youth pastor, uh, ends up mentoring me like Wimber did for him. And uh, I go around the world with Jack and, um, and, and, teaching and prophecy and demonstrating it and uh, led our prophetic teams at Wellspring for a while while I was their youth pastor and then an associate pastor and Jack retired in 2012. So um, and so I'm kind of like a second gen um, gifts of the spirit guy. And, and really the church, Jack took over the church that was already there and they believed in the gifts of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit too and, uh, and were pursuing them. But I think Jack had sort of introduced a whole new level of uh, both theological and experiential sort of background that uh, really took us to the next level. And as we're talking about pace, okay, Je- Jeff is saying maybe too slow on our end. Trust God. Jack's like maybe too fast on my end, but I trust God. Uh, we'll, we'll end with trust God <laughs> in all this, right. and everyone's like, my God's sovereign. And he wanted me to, you know, <laughs> to stay here. He wanted me to to move on and hang out with Wimber, uh, whatever that looks like. Uh, with with, uh, with with the pace of Wellspring, do you feel like? because the gifts are so common that they're not pursued the way that they were earlier on. Do you feel like there's a, um, like is every service, like you guys show up and talk about tongues? Like, uh, <laughs> is every service at Wellspring on the gifts now that you guys right. are second gen? Well, I mean, I would say people? even in a healthy church, that wouldn't be good. If right. you're like, and this week's sermon is tongues, you know, like Again. that wouldn't be preaching the full counsel of God. So, um, no, I think we've got great balance. Now it, even even for us though, there there have been seasons. I you know I've been the pastor there since 2012. Uh, there have been seasons when it has been less emphasized, and and when it has been less emphasized, we have less experience of his uh, healing and revealing power. Uh, and there can be various reasons for that. It could be that uh, you know maybe we walked through a hard season here, or maybe you know something and and like we needed to kind of focus on certain things. I think that happens in every church. I mean. Church is a family and you kind of go through certain cycles. But at the same time, it's always been there. It's never been totally on the back burner. And usually it's been strongly pursued. Uh, It's always been pursued even, but usually it's been very strongly pursued. Um, 
every church service uh, since I've been there and since Jack has been there, we've had prophetic and healing ministry after the service. Uh, many church services, if uh, we have prophetic ministry from the stage taking place uh, during the church service, uh, it's a very regular fixture of what we do. And we also have special services uh, where we're pursuing it. So it is always at the forefront. And we do try to uh, really obey the scripture that says eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So it's for people who are listening, like how does, how does, in, how, do, how do we make room for this in our services? It's like prayer. Or like teaching the Bible, right? Like mm-hmm. you can be in a Bible study, you can be in a home group, you can be in a corporate assembly, and like prayer is just a part of who we are as Christians, right? And prayer shows up everywhere because that's just who we are. And if we believe in the gifts and it's part of our culture, the gifts just show up in those places. Absolutely. So it, if 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 you want to be a church that's obeying First Corinthians fourteen one and really the whole chapter, I think it, you know, and everybody's kind of at a different place. I mean, it's one thing to like kind of transition there, but like. I think the healthy expression will create space for it in a Sunday morning service. Because if yeah. you're never if you're never displaying prophecy in a Sunday morning service, if you're never displaying any gifts of the Holy Spirit except the gift of teaching, how does that look like what the Bible says the church service should, should look like? So Jeff, um, uh, uh, Michael had just said, you know, there are times where we're teaching on it, and as we teach on it, we actually see it becomes more of an emphasis. We see more of those manifestations. Um, and to your, and he said there may be reasons in which we don't see those as you're as you're working through this. And I, you might not have a you know a solid answer for this because I think I would even question this personally of how I would answer this. But um, you're you're saying we've been we've been teaching on this for twenty years. We've believed it. I've encouraged people to read this stuff. Like, why is it that all of a sudden you feel like things are ramping up? Um, do, do, would you have a reason or speculate on why um, there's been seasons where you've been teaching and believing this theologically? haven't quite seen that experiential manifestation yet. I'm not sure how to answer that, Josh, but I'll take a stab at it. Um, you know, you know, in retrospect, I would have tried to learn more. Um, I, I probably would have tried to get either Jack here or someone like Jack here who could help coach us mm-hmm. and move us down. And not sure why I didn't. Um, we've always had lots going on of various kinds, but still, uh, why are we doing it now? I think because we got Jack here and he kind of just, oh yeah, that's just, we need to raise the bar here. Always desired more healing. I don't think I was, I've been around prophecy enough to know what I was missing. Um, you know, uh, people read the books we, we spoke, but I, th- I think, uh, It'd be more clear rather than say we were always teaching on this to say, well, we were a little bit of functional cessationists because sure. we, we didn't, except for healings, we, we didn't do and, much. And that kind of ties into Jack's story a little bit. You know, do you find it common that when you when you go to churches that they actually believe in the stuff but they're not functioning in it, that they need mm-hmm. someone to come along just like you had, just like you had mm-hmm. someone who came into your church and actually showed Look, people get healed. Yeah. Um, that that's actually a necessary part. That theology is a good foundation, but then that that experience is a uh, what we call a manifestation of the spirit. Yeah, t- twenty five years ago, I would say the average conservative evangelical church uh, did not believe in the gifts of the spirit, mm. and uh, and and thought if you launched out, you were going to end up in a disaster. Today, I would say the average 
uh, conservative evangelical church believes theoretically in the gifts of the Spirit. They're not cessationists any longer, but they don't practice them because no one's ever shown them how to do it. So, I mean, how how is someone going to stand on a stage and teach if they haven't had a model doing it Uh and showing them a a, a profitable, healthy model? Well, the same thing is true with, with the gifts of the Spirit or prophecy there's yeah. you know some really unhealthy models going around oh, uh, uh, but once you you can uh, you can show people th- this is how you pray for the sick this is how you do prophetic ministry and then you have to make a place for it in the service uh, when you're when you're gathered together and and it not, the service doesn't have to be about prophecy it doesn't have to be about healing but there needs to be a place in the service for that or people will never Never do it. And Sunday morning is not the place to learn the gifts of the Spirit. Mm, Sunday morning is the time for the mature expression of all the gifts. We don't come Sunday morning and go, hey, who would like to give the sermon this morning? Right. And why would we come? And some churches do this and say, who, hey, who would like to give a prophetic word? I've been in those services, and most of those prophetic Train words aren't next. even prophetic. Yeah, they're yeah. just it's just bad news. You're, you're teaching people to despise prophecy when you do that. Yeah. So— uh, so we want Sunday morning to be the mature expression, but then you've got to have some place in the church where you're teaching people uh, how to how to hear God, how to move in healing, and that's the home groups, as far as I'm concerned. I I, I get all the home group leaders together, and I teach them how to do a home group where you can uh, show people how to hear God, where you can pray for the sick, and so every time the home groups get together, you have a little practice time. You also can do other things, but you always have a little practice time mm-hmm. hearing and uh, and healing. So yeah. we do it, Westbury. Yeah, absolutely. Our uh, our small groups, we practice prophetic ministry. And um, so we, we have a number of avenues to, to begin. Uh, like, like you can almost think of it, I mean, a lot of churches will have like a leadership pipeline, if you will, uh, a sort of path of progress and growth. And so um, sort of where we find out if somebody has a prophetic gift at all is usually in a sort of home group setting. People are sharing prophetic words with one another. It's like, man, that guy's, that girl, she, you know, she's really prophetic and she needs to be on the prophetic team. And then, uh, we have these prophetic teams, two or three people, usually three pray after the service and, uh, and we'll have an observer. And so that we might put that person in an observer role, like, Hey, here's how we do it. We have a leader on the team who's, uh, who's sort of synthesizing the words, uh, making sure it all makes sense, but also at the end we'll have maybe bring a little constructive f- feedback. Hey, if you said this word like this instead of mm-hmm. like that, it might have been, you know, or you know, they all, or some encouragement. And then uh, and so they're guiding the team, and the observer can ask all the questions they want. It's like then they kind of reach the place that they they can actually be part of the team. And then if they start to be really proficient, then they can be a leader. And then you know, and then the next stage is maybe on the stage as part yeah. of that team. And then from there, they might become part of a traveling team where we go to other churches. Does, does Chris still lead your prophetic ministry? He is. He's amazing. So, so uh, I, I came to Wellspring one time, came up front. Um, and what they, like y'all probably don't know, is that when we go, when you go to Wellspring, they have one of their people record the prophetic word mm-hmm. and they send it to the leader who's it's in charge of, of the ministry yeah. uh, and they send it to the individual so they can kind of keep track over that word. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting because Chris was like, hey, mm. um, how did your time with mm. the prophecy stuff go? And I was like, well, you know, here are my thoughts. And not only was he able to um, take my thoughts, okay, he, this word has been judged, it's been weighed. Um, uh, was it First Corinthians 14, 29, mm-hmm. uh, that the others are to weigh and judge what is being said? Um, that there's actual room for that. And I think this is, um, and I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. This is, I think, the number one reason why 
people despise prophecy. I think it's the reason why people despise tongues is because the way that tongues gets practiced is, hey, everyone scream at the top of your lungs, you know, in tongues as loud mm. as you can while the unbelievers are present. It's like we're not doing it the way the Bible tells us to. Mm. Um, so people despise it. So when it comes to prophecy, there there are prophetic words that are given, but then they aren't judged. They're, you know, one of the things that I love that Michael and Michael do is they get up and they'll give a word. And they'll ask the person, yeah. does that bear witness? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which back in my day, back in my day, I'm, I'm like 12 back, in comparison to you guys. Back when I was in the Pentecostal movement, that was unheard of. It was like, oh. thus saith the Lord, da 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 yeah. And then walk off stage and don't ask any questions <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah. that might make no Jack sense I, to the person who heard it. You know, we, we've been... We've seen it in churches where someone will get up and they'll just read like a, a notebook paper where they just like have all these prophetic words for the church. They just read them off and then they just go and sit down. Nobody like there's Nobody no judges. like proving there's no discerning. Mm-hmm. It's just read the read the notebook paper and, and that's it. I, I, yeah. I, so part, part of the thing that's so bad about doing that uh, is, is your it's like you're there to look good mm-hmm. and you don't you don't want to have someone. To, to give a word and then and ter- turn out it's not true. Uh, if you're really, truly prophetic and you want to help people, you want to know if that word's true. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want immediate feedback because mm-hmm. I, I want to know how I'm doing prophetically. Mm-hmm. And and if I missed it, then I want to find out why did I miss it? What was go- going on? And so the goal is not to look good. The goal is to really help people and also be- yeah. improve in your, in your gifting. I mean, like when we teach, there's a, an objective reality in the scriptures and i could teach something in error and michael could come up to me and be like dude that was stupid don't ever do that again right like there's an objective standard yeah, yeah. and with prophecy we're just holding ourselves as equally accountable yeah. in that we're judging that word have you have you had those those kinds of like first of all i want to know about your on ramps like how are you are you doing home groups like how, how are we, you we do have home in, groups is that is that what how you're introducing this <laughs> not not really we haven't but we we we're going to learn more about that. Okay. I, I think our Wednesday night prayer service has been the main place, but sort of like um, you and Michael talked earlier, you know, any, any we're always praying. Sure. And that includes always praying for healing. Yeah. So at every opportunity, we have a bit of our culture. We call it pray now that somebody asks for prayer. You pray right then. Yeah. So in every, all of our settings, we pray. Yeah. Uh, so since, since, since we came in was October, November last year, October, it was October. Um, have have people been stepping out with words since that was probably you said the first time you've seen words like that? Uh, well, much a little bit here and there, okay. but but not much, okay. and not not from the stage at Woods Edge. Uh, a, a little bit, some stuff we're, in the background. A, a little, yeah. In terms of since October, have we had some words? Yeah, we've had a, a few, but not like we want. Uh, what's your uh? What's what's the number one thing that you're like processing right now? Like, hey, um, because I think there's pastors out there who are watching and they're like in the same place that you're in. They're like, hey, I know that I believe in this stuff and I think my church will go with me, right? Like, I yeah. think they'll go. Um, and 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 you're you're probably further along than a lot of them. As in, you've had Jack come in. You're you're pushing your your church to hey, read this stuff, educate mm-hmm. that stuff. What what would be like the advice that you would give to the pastor who's tuning in or maybe the home group leader or whatever, and they want to see this more involved in their church? Well, two, two or three thoughts. One is uh, in terms of the pastors out there who would like to move closer. I, I, I can't help but think of the contrast between 
Jack's church that he founded, Christ Chapel, and our church that I founded, Woods Edge Church, in terms of, I mean, he was actively cessationist. He's in the shadow of Dallas Seminary. You know, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're very eclectic. Uh, The people 25 years ago that I knew of that would go to a Bible church are very different than the kind of church. Like, I've never considered Woods Edge a Bible church. Mm. And so people come from probably more Catholic backgrounds than anything, but Baptist, Presbyterian, certainly Charismatics. So we were never known as a Bible church and always had more variety. And then you have me never saying that the gifts were have stopped, always saying, yeah, we believe in all the gifts. And we began praying for healing for, for a long time and recommending books like Jack's book. So I, I just think a you know, very different milieu. So I th- what, what am I saying? I'm saying be aware and sensitive to where your church is and what, what are the next steps. But uh, I think I have been too slow. I, I would bring in Jack sure. or someone like Jack uh, sooner and, or, or do something to find out, okay, how can I lead our church? Yeah, I, I'm wondering, Jack, if, if you should have a, a yearly gathering for a week of pastors from around the country that gather to you. Maybe we should host it. With yeah, Edge that, that would be great. That. I would love to do all that. the all the pastors who you heard want, first. or want to move um, their church with more experience, more of the supernatural ministries of God. Uh, can I come here for a week and let's find out? I think that'd be fantastic. I love being with pastors. Yeah, Jack. Same same question though. Like how pastors want to get involved. Pastor wanting to 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 move his church into this. What would be your advice? Well, I'll just tell you what happened to me. Uh, so I, I see Wimber, John Wimber, d- do these amazing words of knowledge. I see this healing. And uh, I, uh, and he says, we, we started in our home groups. People mm-hmm. learn to hear God in the home groups. And I said, well, do you think, and now I'm pastor of Christ Chapel Cessationist Church. I'm also a professor at Dallas. And I said, well, John, do you, do you think if I started a home group that God would speak to me like he speaks to you? And he goes, I don't know why he wouldn't, Jack. So I go, Okay, so I, so I started a home group, and, <laughs> and there's about 20 people, and uh, I was on Tuesday nights. And I, I, and so at, first, at Christ Chapel. At Christ Chapel, yeah. And so uh, I said, the, fir- the first night there, I said, okay, uh, now we're going we're gonna to pray, and God's going to speak to us. Or I'm thinking in my mind, or not, <laughs> because I, I don't have a clue. I've never done this yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Uh, before. So I, so I, I, I just say, okay, just, it's gonna, you're gonna get, we're going to ask him to speak to us. And while we got our eyes closed and we're just being quiet, uh, it, w- there's an impression that's going to come. Like you, you might have an impression that we're supposed to pray for the right hand of a man, or you might see a picture. You might see a man's right hand, or you might feel something in in your right hand, like like Jesus could when the woman touched him, he could feel power go out for him. So God will speak to us in our bodies uh, sometimes. So I said those are the three main ma- main ways, and then the only way to find out if that was really God is you got to raise your hand and say, I think. And that's all we're doing. We're just saying, I think. We're, we're, we're not awesome mm. prophets. We're just beginners. Mm. And that's how we started in our, um, in our church. Just Did you have confidence group. when you said that? Was it like, oh, God, I hope he, like, I hope God responds in this way? Like, you, you, like hearing you talk about it now, it sounds like this is what's going to happen if I was in your well, place. Yeah, like, outwardly, oh. I manifested confidence. But inwardly, I was, man, I hope this happens. <laughs> that's, that's important for pastors to hear. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But, but you took risk. You're willing to yeah. take risk. I, yeah. I feel like in retrospect, I, I could take more risk. I should have yeah. taken more risk, which is unlike me because I, sure. I'm not known as a patient, gentle, slow guy. I'm Jai gives his experience at Christ Chapel. That's the kind of way. I've done much change around here. I'm kind of yeah. known for the fast change guy. 
mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um, okay. It's been slower this. I told everybody, hey, you, you don't worry about failing. It, uh, you've got if you get something, you just have to speak it out. So yep. I uh, uh. close my eyes and immediately I have an impression that somebody's left elbow needs to be wow. healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't give it out. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. chicken out. I chicken out because I'm Wait, afraid. So you're teaching on I, it? I tell myself, well, you know, you're the leader. If you get this wrong, it's going to hurt everybody's faith. But I sure. just didn't want to look bad. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> sure. and so we had two or three more a- accurate words, and we actually had two immediate healings uh, that night. So I get home and I say, wow. Lisa, I had a word about a left elbow. I was afraid to give it, and she goes. I had the same word and I was afraid to give it. And so we apologized to the Lord and said, Lord, if, I, I promise I won't do that again. Please don't reject me. Uh, give me one more chance. Wow. And, Take and, your Holy Spirit yeah, from me. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I said, uh, uh, then I said, Lord, would you uh, just show me who that person was with the left elbow? So I go to my office the next day, I have my counseling point. First lady comes in, uh, Glenda. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Glenda, uh, as soon as she walks through the door, I know she's the one with the left elbow. And so wow. I say, Glenda, were you, when you were in the meeting last night, did, was your left elbow hurting? She goes, yeah, did you see me rubbing? It was killing me. And I said, no, I didn't see you rubbing it. And, and she uh, said, it was the most amazing thing. By the time the meeting was over, I was completely healed. Oh, so wow. she was healed. Uh, cool. Healed without me giving, oh, uh, wow. without me giving the word. And uh, that, was my, that was my first word of knowledge. I chickened <laughs> out on it and then didn't the, check out and chicken out yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, okay. Same 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 advice, Michael. What, what would you say? Uh, okay. So, well, advice. So, what's the question again? The, the question would be like, uh, there's a pastor out there listening. And they're like, I think I want to get more involved. And the question for yeah. you for them might be like, Hey, we actually believe in the gifts, and like we, we're kind of ghosty. But like, how do we like raise up a generation of people in our church and maintain this culture in our church? Because you're doing a good job of that. Yeah. Right, would you guys des- describe yourselves as ghosty? Is that the adjective? That's my want? adjective. <laughs> that, for, I don't uh, use that a lot. <laughs> so uh, honestly, I think the biggest thing is you got to get coaching. I mean, you can get so far reading a book about it, but uh, you really need somebody to show you. And yeah. um, you'd say that about preaching, right? Yeah. You, I mean, yeah. for sure. All, all good preachers have had somebody show them how to preach, right? Yeah. And uh, and that's true in every area of life. And this is. Uh, this is a particular area where, uh, I mean, it can get messy. And I think a lot of the mess in the church is because nobody had anyone to show them. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I had the benefit of having Jack show me in great detail. And, um, you know, we, we were at, uh, we were at a, a different church in uh, the spring of this year, and they were asking me about, uh, you know, so do you have mistakes 24-7 and there's this giant mess you're constantly having to clean up? And I was like, you know, actually, I thought that might be the case when I was a stationist coming into it. Like, I'm going to have constant messes to clean up. But we have rare messes to clean up. Mm. Very yeah. rare. And, mm. and the reason is we have a culture that has been built. And when you mm. when you build a culture... Um, where that's built on a biblical understanding of the prophetic. And so that culture, you know, one of the things that we talked about was taking risks. And, you know, if you come from a cessationist background, like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't take risks speaking in the names Lord in the name of the Lord. And, yeah. uh, but there's a whole theological foundation that you have to build for that. And what is the biblical understanding of it? So, uh, we, we've had such biblical instruction, uh, in prophecy and in healing, uh, so that we we have a culture that understands, you know what you prof- Romans twelve, you prophesy in accordance with your faith, and um, and so faith, as Jack taught us, is um, faith is spelled R I S K, 
Yeah. And um, yeah. and so there is risk involved. But what does that look like? What does it look like to weigh uh, prophecy? First Corinthians 14, 29, First Thessalonians 5. Uh, and so and so we build these things into the culture and we have coaches and mentors guiding it along the way. And and but I, I would say for somebody who's making the transition, they need somebody to show them. So, Jack, how can they reach out to you for starters? Um, uh, how, can they, is, how can they reach out to you? Uh, if, come to our new conference here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if if somebody wants Jack Deere to come visit their church and teach him in prophecy and healing. Uh, you'll just find my email and email me. Uh, I don't. Uh, I have a website, but it's defunct. I just. Uh, I'm a one man show. I don't have email. To run that. Yeah, if you can't find that email, email Remnant Radio. Yeah, yeah. Well media at the Room Radio. Yeah, we can, we can email Wellspring, um, and we can show you too. So, uh, in y'all's in y'all's experience, and anyone can speak to this. It feels like um, you've got these people in your church. I don't want to call them difficult people because we're all on a journey. We're all in a different place in our sanctification, and I would say that our knowledge of the gifts is just a part of that journey. Um, in God refining us and, and making, giving us his mind on these things. Um, when we talk about the gifts and the, uh, that, that person that's kind of like uh, resisting or, or I would call them a difficult person in that they're, they're the one that's like not diving in. Right. And, and, and in fact, probably even uh, instilling fear or person. discouragement to yeah. the others. Right. Person, yeah. uh, how do you, how do you win that person? Is it an experiential thing? Is it a theological thing? Um, how, how, how would you, how because again pastors that are listening church leaders who are listening um, they've got that person in their church how do they care for that person well I'm asking the, the G- easy questions G- gently yeah okay gently gently just be gentle um, I, I'm, I'm interested in Jack's response to it short verse for me they may have a theological question but probably not they probably just are uncomfortable mm-hmm. have fear and just try to be gentle and assure them this. We want to be what God wants us to be, and yeah. this is biblical. Well, there's a difference in a person who's like cautious. I don't know what I think about this. I'm a little afraid. There's there's a difference in that kind of attitude, and the person who's going to work to undermine you. Yeah. Okay. And the one that's going to work to undermine me, I'm going to uh, confront, and and I'm going to say, mm. you don't have to believe what I believe, but you can't stay in the church and work against us. Mm. You, you, if if you, you can't change the church, I'm the leader of the church, or mm. the elders, we're the leaders. Yeah. Uh, of, of the church. And, so gentleness and, when appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you always, always, even, no. even telling somebody to leave the church, you want to be, you want to be gentle. Sure. I mean, it's not, uh, har- harsh doesn't pay off. Uh, I mean, I learned that the hard sure, way. And that sword cuts both ways because there's some people that are so gun ho for the, the gifts mm. that they're actually, mm. d- they actually discourage people from believing it. So oh. I have one lady in our church at, at Wellspring early on when she would pray for people, she would sh- shake her hand like that. So I, I go to her and I say, that's a, a not a profitable way to pray for people. We have a lot of conservative evangelicals that come here to kind of take a look at the gifts, and they're already scared. And when you shake them like that, they're there. They they might think it's the devil. You you yeah. you can't pray like that. And she <laughs> said, "Well, that's just the way the Lord uses me." And that's why I'm not debating that. Uh, I'm just saying. You can't shake people in this church. Yeah. And she goes, that's the way the Lord used me. I go, well, let me just say it again. Totally fine. However the Lord uses you, you can't pray that way in the church. <laughs> right. And so she ended up not being able to pray for people in our yeah. our wow. church. She wow. wouldn't. She would not give in. Yeah. So I just said, you can't wow. pray for There's people. a great example wow. of setting a culture 
because when that culture is established, you know, we've had we've had a lot of people who come into uh, to Wellspring where they they maybe come from maybe an extreme sort of Pentecostal type of background uh, where those kinds of things are commonplace, maybe every single time. And they either say, OK, that doesn't really work in this culture and they become part of how Wellspring practices ministry. And one of the things that I learned is like charismatic doesn't mean it has to be weird like that. you That's right. You know, and, and it's not to mm. discount that sometimes God does unusual things. Sure. But there are also times when people just just act weird. They want to be they think weird is spiritual. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And um, and so when you build a culture where it's like, hey, spiritual doesn't have to be weird like you can be just like a normal person praying for healing mm-hmm. uh and, and so jack's exhibiting that and, and what he said and so you guide that over the course of time and people either say okay i want to go to a weirder church or i'll be less weird when i pray for people <laughs> it goes one way or the other um, hopefully it's the latter yeah. okay i want to ask a question though um yeah. Jack, what would you what would you recommend to somebody who has, say, a split elders team, where mm. uh, where you've got maybe um, some hard cessationist, maybe or kind of just a mixture, hard cessationist, soft cessationist, wow. pastor who really wants to steer his church in that direction, uh, in the direction of the gifts? What how would what would your recommendation be to that pastor? I think to be really uh, gentle, uh, under, understanding, um, but that's an untenable situation long term. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't have an elder yeah. mm. team that's that's going to stay split uh, mm-hmm. forever. So somebody's going to have to leave. And if the pastor believes in the gifts and is pursuing the gifts, and some of the elders are are with him in that, then the hardcore cessationist is going to end up having to leave the church if he doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I like to okay. Max Licato on the show, and he he like came to his his elder team and was like, "Hey guys, I I got to confess something. Like I speak in tongues." And like he said, like. Of his elders, like a third of them were like, "Oh, thank God!" Like, so do we. Like, we're just, <laughs> they were just waiting. Like, you they might all, think you're. They all just busted out of tongues. Yeah, they all just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the spirit hit them all in the upper room. No, uh, uh, but they were like, "Oh, thank God!" And the other ones that he thought were going to be like resistant to it were like, "Okay, well, we'll hear you out. Like, we like you. We we know your character. We know your theology. Wow. Like, we've got no reason to distrust that this is authentic, wow. though that we yes. are. You know, this is wow. not something that we're used to. We do trust you. We like you. You lead us well." Um, so again, having good character before you talk about the gifts is a helpful thing too, right? Like, Characters so your church trusts you yeah. in doctrine and in character and they're like, I think, I think we're willing to follow you into this space. That would be good. You were, you were going to say something as I, I talked no, about Lucado. No, no. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up as, as any, um, yeah. uh, and thank you guys for coming on and talking about this. I know this Glad is a, it, Josh. uh, it's an interesting conversation and I think it's, it's fruitful for pastors to know that like even with guys who who do the gifts all the time, me and Michael and Michael will sit down and talk and we believe in the gifts, do a weekly show on the gifts and we'll get to a little snack mm-hmm. where we're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like what we'll, we'll just, we'll just admit like we've been doing this for, I mean, we've been doing this for at least a decade longer. You know um, we do, we do a weekly show on it. We talk to all of the theologians. We read all the books on the charismatic gifts mm-hmm. and we just go, there are still those subjects. There's still those, those areas where we go, man, we could be wrong about this or mm. I don't know about that. Uh, and we have to send an email, you know, we have to, mm. we have to, we have to do our homework. And I think it's mm. okay to be in a space where it's like, I believe in the gifts. I want to go after the gifts more. And I just don't know how to do it. Uh, and, and having those kinds of conversations, having conversations like this mm-hmm. and inviting people who've been down that road, I think, man, how, how fruitful would it have been? You know, ha- have you had more than just a John Wimber? I mean, how many people were pioneering, 
you know, bringing cessationist churches into continuationism back then. And now we've got, you know, we've got a, we've got a Jack Deere. We've got a, a Wayne Grudem. We've got a, a Sam Storms. We've got a Craig Keener. We've got R.T. Kendall. We've got the scholars who've done the legwork for us in, in talking through these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, we need to, we need to have another generation of guys come up under this and, yeah. and learn how to get the stuff done. Yeah, and I just want to make an exhortation to church leaders and pastors that, uh, I mean, the church, if, if you really think, I mean, if you want to go back to Azusa Street where, you know, it's like that big Pentecostal outbreak uh, and you go to today, I mean, how far the church has come in actually a short period of time when you oh, think yeah. about hmm. when you talk about the scholarly. Hmm. And Jack, you talked about hmm. a moment ago, uh, a few moments ago, about how like, you know, 30 years ago, the majority didn't believe. Yeah. Now the majority to believe, but it feels like the church is largely in this position of like, I believe, but I don't know what to do. And so I think that's the Mm. next stage of pioneers that we need is people who aren't content to just be like, well, I believe. Okay, whatever. Let's just, you know, church as usual. We need practitioners. We need people going for it. And we need more coaches to, uh, to rise up. Those of you who are more experienced in these things. Uh, and we need pastors and leaders and elders who are, are bold enough to lead their church into a new frontier and to the, yeah. you know, we're, you know, I, I had a, a pioneer in Jack Deere to kind of lead the way for me, but that next stage of pioneering work, I think is getting more and more churches theologically grounded and building a culture and mm-hmm. actively pursuing the gifts in a healthy way to kind of get rid of some of these abuses. Praise God. I like that a lot. That's a good note. Yeah. And it's a good note to end on. Uh, man, Sorry, for, I, I go back to co-host mode. I just No, do I it, man. That's it. the way to do it. That's, that's <laughs> closing thoughts. Uh, for those of you who are watching, you enjoyed this episode, man, we'd encourage you to uh, give. If you've been blessed by the ministry, there's links in the description. You give on PayPal, give on Patreon. We've got some really cool stuff on Patreon. Michael and I are doing kind of foundations of the Christian faith. We're doing a book up like a, uh, a book club on Kingdom of the Cults. Uh, anyway, so check it out every Saturday. Kingdom of the Cults, it's fun. Yeah, but those links are on Patreon only. Uh, if, you, if there's something out that we've released on Patreon, you can't afford five bucks a month. Uh, we're going to help you out. Just send me an email at media at theremnantradio.com. We'll send you anything that you want. Uh, but it's just a way that we help support the channel. So we would appreciate it if you if you give on there. Anyway, blessings, guys. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the video. Uh, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow with uh, Doug Wilson. Blessings. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off these classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio.